Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 112 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. Double Density, your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, I feel like everyone is dying to know about your new obsession, your new hobby. Let's talk magic right here, right now. Get it out of the way. It's going well, Brian. Learned a few tricks, fooled a few children. But uh, that's about it. I haven't really been uh, showing anybody. Like I said okay, last go, week, you can't hold really... up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Do you need magic to fool children? Yeah. You can't just fool kids on your own by de- like deception or lying to them. I don't like the lying to children. It's not nice. Fair enough. Especially if they're your, your own kids. Yeah, right? my own kids. I, I just usually say, look over there and then I run away. Perfect. I think my foray into magic is going well. I'm, uh, it's interesting with practice, things get better shockingly really yeah yeah it's like uh, when you play an instrument you know do you remember the first time you picked up a guitar how awkward it felt and stuff yes yeah so the same thing with cards although like i mentioned before my playing a musical instrument i feel has actually helped uh, my fingers be stronger than somebody who just pick up cards for the first time and not have done anything with their hands before speaking of uh, becoming stronger you uh, no longer need your frivolous purchase that we mentioned last week Oh, well, because I'm past the middle of the book, so I'm, I don't need it as much. I'm going to use it for the next book when I start that. Well, we, of course, are talking about the, uh, the, the $20 book rest that you bought. $15, $15. Right? Sorry, wasn't it $17.99? Oh, uh, I guess, but tax? they didn't charge tax, actually. Oh, okay. It was one of those deals where <laughs> Amazon seems to forget to charge tax sometimes. I don't even know how that works. Yeah, like I don't know in in what capacities and like what kinds of, of things they uh, they get to do that in. Um, moving along, though, sometimes we like to talk about the process of making podcasts, and something really funny happened right before uh, we called each other. So usually uh, we get ready, we sit up, and then I will text you, you will text me, and then we end up on Skype. And so you and I decided to have some little fun um, on Skype. There's like uh, suggested uh, message bits to send, so we started doing that. We actually had an entire odd conversation without even saying anything. Yeah, I think it started with me saying all set. I actually typed that in and then you wrote thanks again. And then I realized that seemed odd. So I just picked whatever the next thing was. And I said, my pleasure. Thumbs up from you. Thumbs up from me. Smiley face from me. Smiley face from you. A lol from you. And then I started with what did they say? And then you wrote, I forgot. That's okay. I didn't know. I didn't write. I clicked on, I forgot. Oh, yeah. Right. You clicked on, I forgot. Yeah. And then I clicked on, that's okay. Uh, I don't know. We're not going to go through the whole thing. It got interesting at one point where you said, woo. I said hooray, you said huzzah, I said monorail. Yes. And then you said, what's the reference? Yeah, what's the reference? And it should have said Simpsons, but it gave me Archer. Yeah, and then it asked which episode, onward and upward. I wonder how this is programmed. I'm very curious to know um, uh, how this came to be and how uh, Archer made it into the idea of like a popular uh, response to something. Yeah, and if uh, if anybody who listens to us works at uh, Microsoft on the Skype project, <laughs> is that what they call it? The <laughs> Skype project. That's what they call sure, it. Sure, Project Skype. Uh, yeah, let us know. Contact us through the internet using Double Skype. underscore density on Twitter. Not through Skype. What's this? Kids with a cellular phone? Introducing Amigo from Cantel. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Double density. I had a very interesting morning this morning. I got on the bus, and uh, usually when I get on the bus, there's a couple of people, um, and it's right before rush hour, which is kind of nice, kind of quiet. But uh, the weirdest thing happened to me because I was uh, uh, sitting in a single-seater, and behind me there was an older woman who 
was acting like the bus was a roller coaster like she was like making woo noises and like every time the bus would like hit a pothole or like swerve into another lane she would like make an audible noise like it's like the biggest thing in the world it was it was a very strange kind of thing and then she got off maybe four or five stops after i got on so thankfully it didn't last too long but it was still it was still jarring and unnerving and i love your response to this you told me you're pretty sure it's a glitch in the matrix yeah i think it's just the patch they have to fix uh, somebody's uh, character was out of whack. The non-player character behind you wasn't working properly. So the strange thing is then I get to the office and Spotify and Twitter are down. Yeah, because that means they had to perform scheduled maintenance and they can't have everybody on social media. So that aspect of things has to calm down. It's like when, you know, how half the world is asleep most of the time. Uh, that's right. because that side of the simulation is in maintenance mode. So what you're saying is that the character traits server and the uh, social media and s- streaming servers are one and the same. Yeah, they're all interconnected and you can't have all people on Spotify and Twitter at the same time because it slows down the giant uh, universe supercomputer. Right. Everyone trying to s- stream, uh, you know, Santana smooth all at once uh, causes a meltdown. Yeah, you sent me some oral history of that last week. Uh, yeah, I did not read, didn't it. read it. No, I didn't read it. I'm a, I'm a sucker for oral histories and I don't understand why you didn't want to read that one. It's, I don't know. I just... Didn't feel like reading about it. I don't know. So the thing about you is that you love a good pop act, right? And this kind of describes some of the machinations behind creating a pop hit. And I thought that at least would interest you. Well, you know what? Uh, I'll have to go back and read it. Maybe you can send me a link again. Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Send it to me again. I, I think it's actually right. in our Twitter feed or somewhere. So I'll have to find it. I'll do it all Twitter by myself, feed. Brian. Our public Twitter feed? No, I think you sent it to me via the DM. The DMs, yes. Uh, how's summer going, Angela? This is the uh, second bi-weekly episode that we've launched. Great. Summer's good. Uh, you're going to be married by the time this episode comes out. Right. So this it's this weird chasm where we're recording ahead of time uh, because of the fact that I need uh, my uh, spare non-work time to do things. Uh, so I got married in the interim. G- good on me. Thank you for coming. Your present was very nice. Um, though you didn't have to do as many card tricks as you did to astound the normies. Yeah. Sorry about that. I had, uh, I had my dad make me an oversized suit. Yeah. And you were pulling a lot of scarves out, but, uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, so uh, moving on to like proper tech stuff, I linked you to a BuzzFeed news article that I thought was very interesting because it raises a lot of, uh, really good questions about, um, consent, uh, using the internet in this age of, you know, uh, uh, made up identities and also how, uh, the gig economy can be problematic. So it is an article entitled the family of a 12 year old who died by suicide after requesting an Uber by herself is demanding change to ride hail policies. So basically the parents of this daughter, the daughter created a, an Uber profile, um, on her phone. And then she had, I guess like, um, a, a visa or MasterCard gift card that she's able to load money onto, um, uh, Uber and then, uh, took it to a location. And unfortunately, um, things didn't end well for her. She passed and now her parents are demanding answers. So I, uh, a couple of interesting things here, right? So, uh, Apparently, according to Uber, uh, if you look less than 18, they'll ask for identification if uh, you're not with you know someone who is over 18. Yeah, it's kind of hard to mistake a 12-year-old for an 18-year-old, so I'm, I'm a bit surprised that the driver didn't ask any questions. It's a really sad story. I don't like hearing stuff like this, but it, it is important news that has to get out there because Uber needs to make sure this doesn't happen ever again. I do think that there's a lot of these kinds of of apps that exist that like 
So I don't want to make light of this at all. And I don't think this is funny, but remember like we've, we've talked about how like leisure suit Larry had these like skill testing questions. You need to be a certain age to yeah. understand the yeah, yeah. and things like that. There were like, even then there were like these kinds of safeguards in place. Whereas like this um, uh, uh, is a series of actions um, by the app, by the driver um, that indicate that like they do not care as long as they make their buck. You have to, I wonder how the driver is feeling. He must feel terrible or she must feel terrible. I'm not, would they, do they ever name the driver? They don't, right? No, they don't. They don't. Uber is not exactly the best company either. That's the, that's the problem here. Uber doesn't, has never shown that they have any morals, really. They treat yeah, exactly. their employees or uh, do they call them like uh, independent workers or whatever? They're, yeah, they're contractors. Yeah. I have trouble wanting to ever use Uber. I've never actually used it. I'm not planning to. I was part of one Uber ride so far in my all of my years so far. I'm not a huge fan of it either. It's, it's just this weird thing where like it, it, we live in a society where uh, these kinds of companies will go and go and go until something happens, right? It's never preventative. It's always reactive. One, one example that comes to mind is when Foxconn installed those uh, net, the netting around the dormitories. Oh, the suicide nets. Yeah. yeah. You know, they work these poor people to the bone and then they don't care until something horrible happens. And actually, in this case, it was after several horrible things happened. Yeah, for sure. But once again, this kind of demonstrates this idea that uh, uh, corporations, and we've discussed this before, uh, do not care, um, by and large, about uh, the humans that they employ. Or sorry, the independent contractors they associate with. It's hard to think of uh, any of these huge corporations that really care. Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate. I thought this article was really interesting. Uh, it is sad, and I'm sorry that this is a downer. You're completely right about this, but I also felt like you're saying it's it's a very important kind of thing, right? Like, how do we ensure the safety of our children, especially you know, uh, brains not fully formed, rational decision making process? How do we make sure that it becomes more and more difficult for them to be able to do these kinds of things, right? Yeah, there there need to be more checks in place, uh, and it seems like Uber didn't really put much into, into into this double density angela because i love to punish you i have another great article about uh, the joys of living in modern society so this one is from cnet and it is entitled amazon's helping police build a surveillance network with ring doorbells so firstly do you have a doorbell camera no i don't have any cameras in my home uh, that are going up to the cloud or anything i mean apart from the one on my mac or whatever on my ipads and stuff but uh, i kind of trust apple with that stuff i would in no way ever buy anything uh, from uh, Facebook with a camera on it. And in this case, Amazon, I don't know. We've, we've mentioned Amazon as one of the companies we kind of sort of trust. They're like slightly below Microsoft, yeah. right? Like, uh, they're, you know what? On the five, in terms of the big five, they're number four on the list, w- right. way yeah. above Facebook and slightly below uh, Google. Of course. So it's kind of interesting. I was reading uh, in this article, they kind of break down a lot of what happens in um, a lot of smaller communities. And so Amazon partners up with uh, our local law enforcement officials buy um, these and sell um, these doorbell cameras to citizens uh, with the caveat that they're allowed to um, actively use them whenever they want. Because usually what happens is that when you buy a camera of the sort, you are allowed to hand over the footage to the cops when they're asked. But now they skip that step. Wasn't there an article a few months ago about how these, or some of these doorbells, I don't remember if it was actually ring doorbells, um, but some doorbells had been hacked and the information was out there unencrypted? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the dangers of allowing this into your home, literally. Yeah, I had thought of getting a Nest camera at one point and I I decided not to. First of all, it was a little expensive to have everything on there. And I said, I, do I really need a camera in my home? And the answer was no. But we're starting to get to the point, though, where 
like we don't even like it's so prevalent like uh, we're at the point where we almost don't care anymore yeah and that's the thing too is a lot of these people invite this kind of tech into their home saying like i have nothing to hide but then again the big problem is one as you were saying like uh hackers uh in this age of like internet of things it's very easy to break into almost anything at this point right it is um i'm still i've looked into actually how easy it is to break into uh, an ios device camera and from what i can tell it's nearly impossible unless you've done something beforehand you have to install an app and actually give it authorization to access your camera right but like that's pretty normal behavior a lot of the time for a lot of these different apps yes exactly so you but you have to be installing some sort of weird app to get the camera to look at you and and the thing that's disconcerting with uh iphones and ipads is there's no light on there telling you that the camera is on whereas on our macs we can see that the camera's working because the light is on, and I think that's hardwired to the camera, so it can't actually turn on without the light turning on. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot there that uh, is uh, problematic up and beyond just, you know, in terms of, like, aesthetics, right? Yeah. Um, so would you ever install a Ring doorbell? Nope. No, 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 never. Uh, the thing is, so apart from, like, the uh, danger of hackers, the next thing is the mindset of conditioning the human population to say, okay, like, I'm allowing this into my home, this is great, I'm working alongside law enforcement, and then the goalposts to what uh, uh, privacy is start moving at that point, right? Yeah, this is all becoming very Black Mirror-esque. Uh, the most recent season just popped up on Netflix uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, this kind of reminds me of stuff that happens on Black Mirror. Yeah, I definitely do agree that we are approaching a, a, a sort of reality that uh, mirrors some of the more uh, dystopian aspects of uh, what is portrayed there. Um, for example, if you scroll down to about the middle of the article, there's a heat map for the uh, township of uh, Bloomfield, New Jersey, which shows coverage, which is almost complete um, in the area. So anything that happens, uh, there is footage of it occurring. Yeah, um, you can't hide there no matter what you're doing. And it could be something as innocuous as going outside in your PJs to put out the garbage or somebody stealing an Amazon pack from the uh, front of your house, which I guess the ring cameras would be helpful for that. But again, there's not much that can be done anyway. So it's it's basically uh, security for nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, yeah. It's, it's a false sense of security. Yeah, you're, so you're giving up privacy for pretty much nothing. Well, a couple of episodes ago, we were talking about Vigilante and all of these other uh, neighborhood-centric apps that sort of um, give the false idea of something worse occurring than what it actually is. And I feel like this also adds to that the idea that you need more security, you need more touch points, you need more cameras in your life, because crime is going to get you. And as we discovered, uh, crime is actually going down. Yeah, violent crime is going down. Uh, other kinds of crime are usually have either leveled off or gone down. So the idea of creating this false need, of course, uh, partially comes from Ring because they help cities subsidize. So, for example, um, the city of Hammond, Indiana, uh, had earmarked almost uh, $40,000 in funds to subsidize Ring devices, half of that money coming from itself. Yeah, if somebody breaks into my house, they may get hissed at. More likely, the cat will hide. <laughs> Right. But suffice it to say, it's interesting and it's disturbing and it's unfortunate. And the thing is that I, I don't think a lot of people understand the privacy implications of allowing this because they only see it as a single use kind of thing when really it's it's a lot larger than that. Yeah, the, the camera is meant basically, the, the real purpose of the ring camera is so somebody can check what happen, who's at their door when it rings, whether they're at home or not, correct? Yeah, exactly. I mean, ostensibly, that is why it was designed, but who really knows at this point, right? Well, yeah, it's morphing into uh, something else where now they can just uh, keep an eye on your street. It's This heat map is amazing. Like, there's one tiny little part in the middle 
that like doesn't have. I guess it's him. Maybe it's like a school or a park area, and that's yeah, why like something that it, that doesn't have uh, a door by which to install this. Yeah, I also think like this speaks to a larger issue of the co-opting of. Uh, our day-to-day experiences, our, our, our mundane experiences by uh, corporations um, in different kind of invasive ways, right? Like we have a phone in our pockets. We have cameras at our doors. We uh, uh, use apps to call other people. We have access to drones. Having thought about it more and more, there's no way I'm going to put a camera in my house that's connected to the internet. Not at this point. No, I, I, it would take a lot for me to want to do that. And even like then I'm, I'm very uncomfortable with the concept of it. Not because I'm doing anything illegal, just the idea that like I, uh, respect and value my privacy and ways in which I don't want to contribute to the rotting of what the concept of privacy is. Last story on the tech side of things this week is a um, something that's very pertinent to me in my day-to-day work at where I work. Uh, we deal with a lot of um, social media, a lot of review sites and things like that. So I have been uh, in the trenches thinking about Yelp, as it were. Angela, have you ever yet left like a Yelp review? Never. I've read Yelp reviews and reading them, I realized that a lot of people that leave Yelp reviews have nothing better to do because... Uh, uh, there are a few good ones, but sometimes they read like hot garbage. Most of them, uh, quite honestly, uh, do read like that, unfortunately. I've seen some for businesses I'm interested in that uh, make mention of uh, things about the business that make no sense that, you know, it's just, it's clear that they've never set foot inside of of this, you know, particular establishment. I feel the same way sometimes about Amazon reviews. Um, you know, like certain certain things can have like hundreds of reviews, but like... Uh, Going back to my book holder, the the five-star reviews of that thing. It was weird when I read the reviews of that because it's literally a piece of metal that's held up and is not much that it does. But there were hundreds of really strong reviews for a stupid book holder. Which doesn't surprise me. Um, uh, the thing is that like uh, uh, reviews have also been uh, gamified, right? So for example, on Google reviews, you earn badges and you earn designations based on how much you've contributed in terms of reviews, posting pictures, answering questions about businesses too. I've left, I think I've left one Google review, actually. I have done that. Good or bad? A good review was the guy who did my roof, and he he asked if I could leave him a Google review, and I did, because he did a good job. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, I most recently, I don't know if I told you this, I was out with uh, like a former guest of the the, the podcast, Bruno. We were uh, going to dinner and a movie, and we stepped foot in the restaurant, and the hostess sits us down, and we wait for 15 minutes, uh, no waitress, or no waiter coming to see us. Did you leave a horrible review? I, I mentioned the fact that we were waiting for 15 minutes and then we just got up and left and went somewhere else because unfortunately we were on a time table. We were going to see a movie. Why would I have to chase you down in order to give you money for a service? Yeah, it's frustrating when, when you're sitting in a restaurant and you want to eat some food and no one's coming and no one's coming. And uh, was it really busy maybe? No, not even. I mean, like there were a couple of tables, but there were definitely enough waiters for entire, for like good coverage. And I made eye contact with a bunch of them, but they just, it seemed like no one had us in their section for whatever reason. Well, and so what I like about this story is that the restaurant owner took things into his own hand and decided to say that if people like his stuff, give him a one star review. And you get a discount. Yeah, exactly. So you are a man of uh, Italian distinction. Yeah. How would you pronounce this man's name? His name uh, would be pronounced Davide Ceretini. Right. So he's got a place in uh, the the San Francisco Bay, Bato Abistro. So he offers uh, 25% off because as he, as a business owner, has realized, um, 
So Yelp fundamentally has this mysterious algorithm um, which sorts into Yelp recommend and not and Yelp not recommend. So if Yelp recommends your review, you count towards a uh, a five star score, right? But the weird thing is that a lot of legitimate seeming, legitimate sounding reviews end up in the not recommended filter, and no one is quite sure why. And um, I visited SEO forums and local search forums, and it's it's a constant source of anger for uh, you know SEO and local search experts because of the fact that like there are no clear guidelines on what constitutes a good versus bad review. He compared them to the mafia in Italy. Yeah, so basically what happens is that you, uh, they bother you to come advertise with them for a while, and then you do, and everything seems okay. And then mysteriously, when your contract ends or you say you don't want any more, reviews start shifting around. But they insist that this has nothing to do with anything. Which is really weird because of the fact like a lot of the timing and I've read countless stories and I've seen countless screenshots of this that unfortunately what happens a lot of the time is that uh, it's a little too coincidental. I can't imagine how frustrating it is for somebody that that people that leave him uh, fake reviews and stuff or uh, competitors leaving one star reviews, although he said he was he was doing the same thing at first. Yeah, I mean, because you don't know any better, right? So Yeah, and he realized he was wrong, and he even admits that it was he was totally in the wrong with doing that. I'm kind of happy he's kind of like playing with the system there to kind of mess with them. Also, to note, um, there is a recent Yelp-based uh, documentary called Billion Dollar Bully out there right now that I haven't had the chance to screen, but hopefully in the interim, I'll have a chance to watch it. But clearly, it's a lot of very shady business tactics, and unfortunately, um, the way that... Uh, the courts have proceeded because people have sued on behalf of uh, in order to be able to sort of rectify the situation. Um, it, usually they side uh, with Yelp. He lost the business at the beginning. Yeah, exactly. As the customer experience becomes more and more important and more people look to the Internet to be able to gauge how that goes. It's so frustrating. Yeah. So something to note that's kind of interesting about Yelp too is so when this documentary came out um, a couple of weeks ago, they actually bought up a bunch of uh, Google AdWords and uh, things like that. Uh, they bought a domain name. And when you click on it, it actually links back to a Yelp page in order to sort of combat the message of the, uh, the documentary itself. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's very aggressive. Well, I'm hoping to see this documentary because it sounds like something I'd be interested in. Uh, let us probably, uh, perhaps, hopefully, make a point uh, to watch it in the next in the coming months. Yeah, it'll be part of our alien cinema. Alien cinema. <laughs> the alien being the pizza pie that uh, is hotly contested, right? Yeah. Early listeners of Double Density would know that we had a, a segment that uh, we haven't brought back in like years at this point called it's Alien true, Cinema. We even had we even had theme music for it. We did. We should bring that back. Yeah, we watched Alien Abduction, the Dean Aliato uh, video. We watched Alien Autopsy. Uh, so many classics. Yeah, we watched that Australian Skies. That was awful, by the way, but yes. Um, uh, but, you know, maybe we should bring this back. Maybe in the fall when like we're back to school, we'll give each other some homework. Um, we'll see how things are going. Speaking of homework, you sort of tangentially, right? It's kind of uh, a summer episode. It's hot. It's warm. Uh, are you reading anything? Do you want? Are you? Would you like to suggest anything to our listeners? I'm actually reading a book my daughter gave to me. It's like a, it's along the same lines as Harry Potter. It's called The Keepers of the Lost City uh, or Lost Cities. I can't remember the title. I'm terrible at remembering titles of books, but it's, uh, it's pretty entertaining. Along with that, I'm reading uh, my card college book. Yes, of course. Why, uh, regression in full effect here. I like the idea that you're reading a young adult novel. It's really good, actually. Maybe uh, we'll come back and you can you can review it. On my end, I am currently reading Rock and Roll Soccer, The Short Life and Fast Times of the North American Soccer League by Ian Plenderleaf, uh, which is a great ride uh, all about the uh, crazy 70s. 
I also have a book by, uh, that I recently read by somebody named Ian, Ian Frisch. It's a book called uh, Magic is Dead, about, you guessed it, magicians. Huge surprise there. Uh, maybe I should lend you my Philip Class book, UFOs Explained While We're At It. Maybe. Uh, it's, actually, it's actually a really good book. It uh, talks about uh, local magician uh, Chris Ramsey, who's pretty great. Really good YouTube channel. You'd actually like it a uh, lot, Brian. I'm going to end things here, and I'm going to see you in the paranormal section before I uh, sigh in frustration. Abracadabra. What could space be? What could it be made of? What the heck is all those lights out there? Is this just a black curtain with holes in it? I don't know. I'm trying to find out. Welcome back to Double Density. As always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So I, uh, I, I do have to admit, Angela, right now, I'm not sure about the paranormal section because you said you would have this handled this week uh, for this episode. So I'm kind of, I'm intrigued, scared, and interested all at the same time. Well, as we mentioned before, you're, we're recording this episode right before you get married, but it'll come out right after that. So uh, future Brian, uh, congrats, you're going to be married. Thank you. Thank you. This card you gave me was filled with too much confetti. Yeah. Happy New Year. Uh, wow. You, you got one over me finally. Yeah. I have a gift for you. Uh, and okay. it'll be the gift of worrying about hauntings on your most special day. <laughs> okay. So you, you've dug up like stories of hauntings and things. Yeah. So basically I found a few uh, articles that list out a few places that are the most haunted places to uh, have a wedding at. Now, like I got married in a church actually not too far from where I currently really? live. Yeah. And, uh, I liked it because there was artwork by a famous Quebec artist, uh, Ozias Leduc, who's, uh, who has a street named after him in the town I live in now. And um, would you agree that churches are inherently creepy? Yes, ever since I was a child. Uh, there's like weird nooks and crannies and they're all pretty old. Like this one's uh, over 100 years old and uh, it, I'm sure it has like a creepy basement. We went, uh, I was in like the back room uh, waiting to get married and stuff. And it was like a creepy place. Um, so I don't think it was haunted. There was no ghost that showed up. Uh, all that to say, you have a list of uh, weird and creepy uh, places that you want to throw at me uh, were I to reconsider uh, where I've already selected to get married. Yeah, we want to talk about a few of them. Like, not all of them, but uh, I'll, I'll put up the, the lists I found on uh, on our website in the show notes. Uh, so the first article comes from uh, Bustle.com, and it's eight haunted wedding venues for couples who love all things creepy. Uh, a few stood out to me. The Queen Mary, which we recently discussed on our Titanic episode. Uh, we sure did. Would you want to get married on a boat? Big old boat with ghosts? Well, the boat is docked, right? So Yeah, no, you wouldn't be getting seasick or anything. No, it would be kind of boring. Uh, and also would pay too much just to be on a boat. Why not get married on a pontoon? Like, who cares? There's something uh, we've said, uh, like I said, there's something inherently creepy about churches. Same thing about boats, especially old ones where uh, soldiers died on it. Yeah, any kind of like mass amounts of death is very bothersome to me. Hold on, sir. I have to take these vitamins before I forget yeah. to continue on to the next one. Yeah, you're like making noise over there. You're not supposed to be eating. You're taking your vitamins for your wedding. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm gr- I'm a strong growing boy. I need I drink all of my calcium. I need my multivitamins. Uh, these taste delicious, by the way. But yeah, are they Flintstones? No, but they're for children. But I take two of them at a time. No wonder you're so childish. <laughs> I, I hope you keep this in. Yeah. Uh, so the, one of the ones, so that the, the Queen Mary stood out to me. Another one was Oakland Cemetery in Georgia. 
uh, I guess like uh, churches and cemeteries are usually close by to each other, which is kind of weird to get married in a cemetery. So I was in the States with my fiance actually a couple of years ago. We were on vacation and we were in Georgia and we came across the most beautiful haunting cemetery that has a lot of civil war um, soldiers. And I can understand the aesthetic appeal of wanting to get married in such a beautiful place. So is this, no, is, this the whole, speaking, is this the cemetery you saw? Because this is in Georgia and it talks about long dead civil war soldiers. No, no, it wasn't. It was in Covington. It was near Covington, okay. uh, Georgia. But uh, the the idea is kind of still the same. Though. It, it is a gorgeous space. Uh, it was really interesting to walk through and sort of feel a sense of history on there. But I can never want to share the most special uh, day of my life in a cemetery. But that's just me. The last one here on this list uh, that stood out to me is the Ohio State Reformatory. Um, <laughs> getting married in a prison yeah it's uh and like the paint is peeling off the walls but you can like do some zombie laser tag or uh, there's even a shawshank redemption tour so weird places to get married i just so like kind of like one of the quick questions i have right for a lot of these different places they are non-traditional places do you need a license uh or permit right to be able to uh get on the grounds legally so if it's on this list it's because they actually offer uh services Oh wow! Okay, so you can actually like get married at the Ohio State. Reformatory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it's it's open. It's, to, it looks like it smells like mold now that I'm looking at this. Yeah, there's also like the Rockwood Park and Museum, and the picture they picked is like, um, it reminds me of. Did you ever play uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare? No, but I did play Silent Hill. Yeah, okay, also Silent Hill. But remember in Call of Duty when you're like in Chernobyl? I, I didn't play it though. I, didn't, okay. I literally have not played this. Well, I'm sure you... I said, I said no, but you wanted to continue. Yeah. Well, so I went and go back in time and play it. And <laughs> to all the true gamers out there, this is for you. But no, you know what? You're actually right. It, it actually looks more like um, Silent Hill than uh, that. The, this, the part I'm thinking of in Modern Warfare is when I think you're in Chernobyl and like you have to snipe somebody. Anyway, it's kind of weird. Chernobyl, very topical. Have you decided to watch the miniseries yet? Not yet. I hear it's pretty good. Same. I uh, hopefully will get to resume uh, those sorts of activities. That place, I'm sure, is pretty haunted looking. I wonder if you can get married there, because I know that there are now a ton of articles coming out um, saying, like, Instagrammers stop using Chernobyl as a backdrop, because a lot of um, Russian Instagrammers are making their way there. And are they dying? No, I mean, the radiation levels are pretty low there now. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I probably wouldn't go there. Shocked. I'm, yeah, well, I mean, like, by, like, the principle of the thing is I would never see you in Russia anyways. A honeymoon idea for you. Yeah, one of many. I'll add it to the list, Angelo. So the next one, uh, the next article comes from Reader's Digest, which is still a thing, <laughs> apparently. Uh, they used to pay pr- like pretty well for the print version. I had a couple of friends who've gotten articles in, and like you can make decent money running for Reader's Digest if you have like a pretty good story that uh, will go broad. Yeah, and they know me because now the ads on there are, are advertising magic books to me. Let me see what these ads are. No, I got just fashion now shoes and dresses. Because you're looking for wedding stuff, Brian. Yeah, but I don't, I don't see it. Anyways, continue. So what stood out to me here is also uh, something that was recently discussed by you on Not Alone, and that's the Stanley Hotel. Oh, uh, The Shining. Yeah. Uh, would you want to get married there? I mean, I'm sure they have weddings there because it's a hotel and uh, people get married in hotels. I would uh, definitely uh, consider it. It is a very nice estate. I've I've looked, I've Google Maps it a bunch. Uh, very, very cool looking. I Probably a little more expensive than I'd like it to be. Also, I, would you want to travel to Colorado for me? 
No. And uh, I would send you, I would Skype over to you and send you some nice messages that way. Um, You could also then uh, have your honeymoon night in uh, room uh, 217. Perfect. I'm super excited by that idea. So that's that's one of the ones that stood out to me there. Uh, The other is the Chateau Marmont in Los Angeles, where uh, John Belushi died. And uh, there's a great little story on this article about him entertaining a, a toddler in a room. (laughs) <laughs> uh, now that I have access to these articles, I'm also looking, I've actually visited one of these. Oh, which one? The, the Bourbon Orleans hotel. Oh, creepy. I was looking right at that one when you said it. Oh, weird. You have a camera in my house. My friend. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I am the ringmaster. Uh, yeah, I've, I walked by it to looked in a little while because it was very, very busy. Super interesting. But yeah, um, super, super, uh, yeah. So I'm like one out of, I don't know how many on here. Did you get haunted while you were there? No, I mean, like, uh, I don't want to get into my thoughts about New Orleans, but like, it was kind of, uh, uh, if you're not drinking, it's a weird place to be in the French Quarter, like the the tourist area section. And like, there's this, like the, can you say the next one on the list, Traquair House in Peebleshire, Scotland? <laughs> the Tricker House. Traquair in Peebleshire. Yeah. I'm sure there's like one Scottish listener who's very furiously writing it to double density podcast. I know. I, and I usually on. pride myself in being able to pronounce things, but uh, the Scottish accent is not one I can do. Okay. So according to the article, you might expect the oldest continually inhabited house in Scotland to have a few ghosts. Well, yeah, absolutely. If uh, people have been living there for, uh, uh, you know, decades slash you decades, know, uh, no centuries. hundreds of years, Brian, not decades. Right. But I mean, like people have died in the interim, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, because like you can, the ages of homes here where we live are like decades old. But when you yeah. start going to the UK and stuff, uh, houses, it's like, uh, it's not abnormal for somebody to be living in a house that's like 500 years old. My parents sort of like related to that. I just, uh, they had a really weird honeymoon where they basically spent uh, a bunch of time in Europe visiting castles and going to football matches. That That sounds pretty fun. Yeah, but like once you've seen a couple of castles, aren't you you good? Yeah. So uh, where are you going for your honeymoon? Is it Area Fifty One, or you're just staying on the road where Betty and Barney Hill got uh, abducted? So uh, I've been to both. Okay. So I visited Area Fifty One in 2014. At the end, uh, got to the gate. The little alien inn was closed for the holidays, unfortunately. So I've done that. And then uh, two years ago, uh, I was in New Hampshire. So what are you going to do for the wedding? What uh, creepy location are you going to go? I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of like looking at a list of caves where people have drowned. Okay, fun. Like near the bodies of water. Excellent. Uh, and you're going to look for some, uh, sea monsters as well. Maybe Cressy. You got to do that. Of course. Uh, you know, like I'm kind of leaving it like open. Like if there are any like local cryptids in the Ottawa area, uh, by all means, uh, I don't know how they get in contact with us. Uh, p- p- carrier pigeon, yeah. I guess. I'm hoping the hotel I'm staying at when I'm at your wedding is, is haunted. That'd be kind of cool. It looks so like a quaint you- little place. I mean, like, so uh, practically speaking, a haunting is a very specific kind of thing that happens to you where the circumstances have to line up. Like you have to uh, pay attention in the area where the ghost is, for example, right? Yeah. Um, and there has to be cold spots and stuff. Um, you have to hear things. People have to throw things at you. Uh, poltergeists make you jump off beds. Have you uh, ever encountered any of these? Not at all. My, so... When we've gone to Italy, uh, my grandmother's home there is quite old, and my sister insisted that she would see ghosts in the basement. 
I don't believe her. Probably just bits of dust everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I was uh, young when I went there. Like the last time I went there uh, with my sister being there, I think it was 10. So uh, I didn't uh, I didn't know what to think because I was a dumb 10-year-old child. Did she take any pictures and like there's like a weird like a haloing or whatever? Yeah, that would happen actually. I've seen pictures like oh. that. Um, but right, no, that's, that's nothing. That's just, uh, that's film doing that. Back then we had film <laughs> cameras. Uh, this feels like a history lesson right now. It is. Uh, but yeah, coming back to the idea is like you have to be awake and willing to to see what's in front of you and, and categorize that as a ghost, right? Yeah, and the venue you're getting married at, no uh, haunting stories or anything no, about it? No, relatively new. Uh, no deaths in the area from what I understand from the venue. No one's been thrown off that cliff that's there? No, there's a guardrails. And uh, if you fall down, you just you roll down for a while probably. Okay. Um, well, um. You know what, though? It would be a good spot to see UFOs. So that's what we'll do. Everybody will just Perfect. do a yeah. mass exit. I'll just disappear. 9 yeah. p.m. We'll just say, hey, everybody, let's go look for UFOs. I'm sure my new wife will love uh, the fact that everyone clears out to go stare at the night sky. Yeah, I actually really hope it's a nice, clear evening because that, that, that sounds like a good thing to do. Yeah. I mean, we're outside of the city. We're high up, like a uh, good elevation. Like this could be it for us. It is. This might be the chance we have to go see UFO. Halfway through your wedding, On we'll my just wedding leave day. and start recording an episode. I can't wait to do that. I'll have to suggest that. But before that, uh, I feel like we have to end this one, Angelo. So this is uh, the last goodbye before you get married. And then when we come back. But technically, this comes out after I get married. Yes. Uh, so congrats to future past me. Exactly. And uh, the next time you hear us, you'll be uh, hearing uh, Brian's ring clanking against the microphone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the chains behind me, because obviously I live uh, every typical heterosexual, like a uh, cliche about, you know, wedded life. Yeah. All of a sudden the episodes will be only 15 minutes long. Right. Domesticity at its finest. Uh, with that, you can always tweet at us at double underscore density. You can find us on Instagram, double density podcast. You can also email us double density podcast at gmail.com. You can also, if you'd like, hit up double density.net, click on the contact button, fill out the form, let us know what you are thinking. You can also visit the website to find out, uh, information about prior episodes, find out a bit about us. We have kind of like a sad derelict kind of like blog section that <laughs> I want to work on. Um, I think the last posting was, uh, for Halloween last year. So that tells you, uh, how often we, uh, update that section. And as always, we love it if if you left us a review on the app of your choice, right? Like the uh, podcast slash iTunes store. Yeah. If you use overcast, just leave us a little star. It'll uh, pop up in people's feeds and, uh, and iTunes uh, with now Apple podcasts. We keep saying iTunes. iTunes is dead. Uh, leave us a nice little five star review. Not one star. Please don't leave us one star. Uh, yeah, would, if, if there's a lesson to be learned here it's no one stars also i hope that people have been doing their homework and uh, googling double density and clicking on our links in all of the available browsers that they can find right because i've been doing that i don't know if you have i have i always do that perfect okay great so angelo uh this is it for now i'm gonna embark on a brand new adventure and then people should tune in next episode as we deal with the truths that the month of july may bring my friend sounds great see you there ghosts wedding <laughs> <laughs>